says, first you make decisions and then you figure out how. There's your first lesson. Are you interested or are you committed? Control the cause effect takes care of itself. And the answer to this one question will determine whether you achieve every one of these things. Earning money is a skill. Mm -hmm. Building a business is a skill. Having a, a positive mindset is a skill. Emotional regulation is a skill. I fell behind two years in school. So I was always looking for shortcuts of how do I get the answers to the tests? You know, how do I study faster? How do I learn this faster? You will upgrade your beliefs that you can do it. You will upgrade your skills. You'll upgrade your knowledge. And yes, you'll upgrade your habits. And you will become the type of person capable of achieving every one of those goals. And by the way, he said, every one of those goals is achievable. So are you interested or are you committed? Welcome to the show, John. It's so great to be here. Dude, thank you so much. I can't tell you how excited I am for this conversation with the Brain Whisperer himself. The Brain Whisperer. That's a, a, a really great you know, name. And uh, somebody gave that to me when I was on their podcast. They said, you know, they introduced me and they said, the Brain Whisperer. And I said, God, I love that. I'm going to keep that name. <laughs> <laughs> it is so apropos and it's just, it's got so much depth to it because it makes you have to ask, okay, I need more. Like, you don't stop there. If it was just entrepreneur, we go, okay, I know what that is, but brain whisperer. Like, what does that mean? Yeah, I, I've been fascinated with the human brain for probably 43 years. And a lot of what helped me develop self-confidence, certainty in myself, skills, had to do with me using affirmations and visualizations and mindfulness techniques and mental contrasting techniques where I was working out my own brain. I was talking to myself. I used to listen to these cassette tapes that I would create around the success I was going to achieve and the beliefs that I needed to believe and the habits that I wanted to develop before it was even, you know, really, you know, known that you can do that. Sure. And, um, and so somebody that, you know, uh, had me on their podcast, Tom Bilyeu, called me the Brain Whisperer. And I just liked the name and thought it was great from a branding perspective um, that I kept it. Well, you, I think it is well earned. Oh, thank you. And for those, obviously, who know you from either The Secret or your, one, of, one of your multi, extremely successful New York Times bestselling books, or obviously the different shows that you've been on from Ellen DeGeneres to Tom Bilyeu and all those in between... Yeah. A lot of people probably think of you as this guy that was born with this incredibly great approach to life, the mental mindset, rock star, successful from day one. But I don't think they realize <laughs> actually who you were before and how you changed or rewired your own brain. Oh, my goodness. Um, the one thing I can, I can share that might lend itself well to our conversation is, uh, is I always looked for shortcuts. And let me explain. When I... Uh, was a kid, I lived in the Middle East in Israel, and my family decided to get away from wars back in 1966. Mm -hmm. And I was five years old, and I moved to Montreal, uh, Canada, uh, where I know you've got family, yep. and um, I fell behind two years in school. So I was always looking for shortcuts of how do I get the answers to the tests? You know, how do I study faster? How do I learn this faster? And 
most of it was because I felt inferior to all the other kids because I, I just felt dumb. I didn't understand the language. I couldn't understand what English the or French? English or French. I, I spoke at the time Hebrew. Yeah. Uh, and Montreal was French and English. And um, so I, I kept looking for ways to get ahead. Um, and when I was really, really young, I got into a lot of trouble because I was bored in the classroom. And so I spent a lot of time in the corners or at the principal's you know, office in the chairs. And I actually thought that I wasn't smart. My report card had evidence of that. My parents thought that as well. Uh, they didn't speak the English language, so they couldn't help me. My brother and sister were learning it as well, mm -hmm. so they really couldn't help me. And those first two to three years, I, I fell behind so much. Those critical I, learning years. Critical learning years. Yeah. I fell behind so much that I actually thought I was stupid. And I was very, very active. And so the teachers wanted my parents to put me on Ritalin, which was, you know, the mm -hmm. ADD or ADHD uh, drug. And they refused and I just kept getting into more trouble and more trouble and more trouble. And as everybody can imagine, when you get into trouble, you end up in the principal's office or in the detention you know, hall after school. And guess who I met there? Other people getting All in trouble. All the other kids were getting in trouble. And so then you know, I started to hang out with these kids after school. And we'd go into stores and we would steal. And we'd go into the shopping centers and steal. Um, and that just snowballed, mm -hmm. you know, you know, 8 years old, 10 years old, 12 years old. And then at 12 years old, I started to get into drugs and I got into alcohol and drugs and breaking and entries and selling drugs and doing drugs and um, bringing drugs, you know, from Florida uh, to Montreal oh, at wow. 15, 16, 17. And my life was, uh, you know, at home, everything seemed okay. My parents were normal. My dad was a cab driver. My mother worked at a local department store. They really didn't know what I was doing because they worked a lot. Yeah. And, um, and so I got into an enormous amount of trouble and I didn't know it then. I was, you know, I was, a, I was a kid. I didn't realize what doing those things would actually do to my self-image of myself and my self-trust. And um, I was a messed up, you know, kid when I was 16, 17, 18. And all of the self-worth that I was getting was from street, the street gang that I was in with seven other guys or six other guys, so seven including me. And um, so that was the beginning of my, you know, my life where yeah. I didn't think I was smart enough, good enough, worthy enough. Um, and I did all these, these illegal things to, to, you know, feel some sense of, you know, uh, validation. Sure. And I can imagine you didn't even have the maturity at the time to realize that there was a way out. But yeah. you found a way out. And for a lot of people who either have a couple of those internal feelings or are going down a bad path in their actual actions, might not think that you can turn that all around. Yeah, um, you know, when you're, when you're in this environment that fosters uh, love and care, maybe falsely, but love and care, uh, and at least you're succeeding at something, it seems like, you know, you can keep doing it. When you say succeeding, you succeeding. mean I was like making stealing. Money. I was making money, you know, stealing. I was making yeah. money selling drugs. I was making more money than my father was, who was a cab driver. You know, making $2,000, you know, um, a month is what he was making. I was making two, three, four, five thousand dollars $5,000 some months. Wow. So it seemed like I was doing better than my dad. Yeah. But I also knew that, you know, at 18, um, all these petty crimes, um, the consequences are much more uh, extensive at 18 when you become of legal age. 
And fortunately, I have a very, very loving uh, family and brother and sister. My parents have are, 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 uh, moved on to the spiritual realm. And my brother um, was really concerned for my well-being. And he had moved from Europe, where he was playing tennis as a tennis pro, uh, to Toronto, where he took uh, the job of a head coach at a tennis club. And he, he said to me, he said, hey, why don't you come down for the weekend, one weekend, and uh, there's somebody I want you to meet who's very, very successful in real estate, and uh, he's a philanthropist. He loves to help, you know, the community. And I said, yeah, sure. So I, I took the train. So you said yes. I said, yeah. So I took the train because I want to see my brother. And I was going to get a free lunch, you okay. know, with him and his friends. So, so you I, didn't put a ton of weight on the individual no, like, you were meeting? I, I had no idea who this guy was. I knew my brother wanted to help me because, you know, we talked. Yeah. And there was no internet back then, so we had you know, or cell phones, phones. <laughs> or cell phones. And um, so I, um, I take the train. My brother picks me up. We go to lunch, and there's this gentleman. His name is Alan Brown. He's a, a handsome man, uh, in shape, very, very kind. He had white hair, and um, you instantly felt calm around him, and you felt like he just felt distinguished. You know, it's probably the best way I can explain him. And he started asking me about my background and what I was doing, why I was doing, what the consequences were, which I knew. I was like, oh, shit, here we go again. Were you honest with him? Uh, oh, yeah, my brother was honest with him. Okay. So I just validated what my brother told him. And um, he asked me why I was doing what I was doing. And I said to him, well, you know, I didn't do well in school, and I failed English, I failed math, I left high school at grade 11, I gave him the story. Yeah. And he listened patiently, and uh, then he said to me, he says, well, what would you like to achieve? And I said to him, I said, well... I'm working for a shipping department uh, for Philips Electronics. I'm making $1.65 an hour. I'm still living in my parents' house. I don't have a car, so I've got to take the bus you know, or the subway you know, and the subway to, to work every day and then back home. I said, I'd like to get a job where I get paid more. I would like to buy a car, and I'd like to move out of my parents' house. He said, well, that's all really nice, but what else would you like? Yeah. And I go, well, I haven't thought about it. And so he actually took his briefcase out. This is how far ago, long ago it was. He took a briefcase out and he pulled this document out. And he said, would you mind like just sitting at the table next to your brother and I and just answer these questions? And um, I said, well, sure. So he gave me this document. And just to put perspective on this, this was the 1980 Goal Setting Guide. Okay. 19, it was a 1982, excuse me, 1982 Goal Setting Guide. So I opened up this document, and the first question was, at what age do you want to retire? Said, retire? I'm, I'm 19. What do you mean retire? I want, I want a job. <laughs> and I said to him, I said, excuse me, Mr. Brown, uh, what should I put over here? He says, just pick a number. I said, is, is 45 okay? He goes, yeah, it's 26 years from now. 45 is okay. Put 45 down. So put retired age 45. Um, the back of my mind, I'm going, yeah, bullshit. <laughs> Second question says, um, how much net worth do you want to have upon retirement? And so I looked at the paper, looked at him, looked at the paper. I said, excuse me. Second question, second, the second question, I asked him two questions. Uh, what does net worth mean? <laughs> so you didn't even know what it meant. How would I know what net worth meant? Like, I had no idea. So he told me what net worth mean. I said, well, how much should I put there? He goes, pick a number. I said, well, is three million okay? He says, well, listen, if you can retire at 45 with $3 million and you're smart with your money, it'll give you a great start. Put $3 million down. So I start to answer these questions. What kind of car do I want to drive? Mercedes-Benz. What kind of home do I want? Four-bedroom. Where do you want to travel? The whole world. Who do you want to help? I want to retire my parents. I wrote down all of these answers to these questions, and all of it was like pulling answers out of my ass. Okay, mm -hmm. I just made shit up. And he took the document when I was finished in about 10, 12 minutes, and he goes, listen, this would be a great life 
you know, retired 45, $3 million, four bedroom house, Mercedes Benz, retire your parents, travel the world, have nice Italian clothes, which is what I wrote. He says, would you be proud of this life? I said, proud of this life? That would be amazing. <laughs> he says, I'm going to ask you one question. And the answer to this one question will determine whether you achieve every one of these things. And I'm thinking, I remember this like it was yesterday. I'm thinking in the back of my mind, how could one question determine mm -hmm. whether I achieve all these things? And he leaned in. He says, are you interested in achieving all of these things? And he pointed at this document. Or are you committed to achieving them? I'm like scratching my head. Am I interested or am I committed? I felt dumb again, right? Because I got to ask him again. Um, and I go, excuse me, Mr. Brown, what's the difference? And he says, son, he said, if you're interested, you'll keep using those stories you told me about why you're doing what you're doing. You'll keep believing those stories and you'll keep repeating the same patterns of thought, the same emotions and the same behavior over and over and over again until you die. And if you're committed, you will upgrade your identity to match this new destiny you've just wrote, you just wrote on this paper. You will upgrade your beliefs that you can do it. You will upgrade your skills. You'll upgrade your knowledge. And yes, you'll upgrade your habits. And you will become the type of person capable of achieving every one of those goals. And by the way, he said, every one of those goals is achievable. So are you interested or are you committed? It's almost like the red pill. Oh, my pill God. Moment. Oh, my God. And I remember like going, and I said, well, in that case, sir, I'm committed. And he literally, he reached his hand across the table and he said, in that case, I will be your mentor. I said, wow, thank you. What's a mentor? <laughs> true story. True story. And he explained to me what a mentor was. I said, awesome. That's great. Thank you, sir. And my brother was beaming and said, told you, told you I could help you. And uh, then he asked me to move from Montreal to Toronto. And as soon as he said that, I said, what do you mean move from Montreal to Toronto? I don't know anybody here other than you now and my brother. I don't have any money. I don't have a job here. I don't. He says, there you go. You're already mm -hmm. making excuses. He says, first you make decisions and then you figure out how. There's your first lesson. So I go, I, I, I can't move here. I live with my parents. He says, stop. Are you interested or are you committed? A few minutes later, I said, fine, I'll, I'll move to Toronto. And in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, I have no idea. I have no idea how. He says, great. He said, this was April 1982. Um, he said, um, no, it was actually 1980. So it was 1980. Something else happened in 1982. Then he said, great. There is a real estate course that starts in May that goes for five weeks, and you need to be registered for that course, and it costs 500 bucks. I go, what? <laughs> you want me to go to school? I hate school. I failed English. He said, stop, there you go again. Mm -hmm. And he kept pointing out my language patterns. Long story short, I enrolled in the class, borrowed money from my brother, borrowed money from my sister, borrowed money from my mother. My father didn't have it because he was a gambler and alcoholic. So they lent me the $500 to get into the real estate class. I lived with my brother you know, to get started. On June 20th, 1980, I received my real estate certificate that I was a licensed real estate agent. Now, the reason I remember these dates so well, especially the June 20th, 1980, it was the first test I had passed that I studied for and learned the material in years. It was the first moment I thought to myself, maybe I'm not that dumb mm -hmm. after all. Sure. But 
when you're in that course for those five weeks, how much interaction did you have with your mentor? He helped me a lot because I, I, I had to learn legal stuff and I had to learn finance stuff and I had to learn a bunch of stuff about sure. the legalities of real estate. And, and, I, and I wanted to quit probably 50 times. And he says, no, no, we're just going to learn. We're just going to upgrade your knowledge. We're going to upgrade your skills. And then when I graduated, he offered me a job in his company on commission only. No, not even a dollar sixty-five, commission only. I said, "What am I supposed to do now?" <laughs> so, supposed to learn how to market and sell. Yeah. And so he, then he started to upgrade my knowledge and skills. And he said, "The first thing I want you to do is I'm going to teach you how to prospect." And I'm going, "Okay, what's what what's mm-hmm. what's prospecting?" He says, "Well." Put a phone in front of me, a book in front of me, and a script in front of me. He says, you're going to pick up that phone. You're going to call people in the back of the office here on the streets, and you're going to have, you know, home number one. It's whoever the name is. There's a phone number. We had these books back then, these giant books. And he says, you're going to pick up the phone, and you're going to read this script. And the script was, here's the script 40-some-odd years later. Hi, this is John Asraf with Allen Brown Real Estate Company. We have somebody who's looking to buy a home in the neighborhood. Have you thought about making a move? I read the script. If they said yes, I go, great, thank you. Can my broker and I come over today at 3 o'clock or would 5 o'clock be more appropriate so we can learn about the house and teach mm-hmm. it to our clients and share it with our clients? If they said no, I said, well, thank you. Have any of the neighbors talked about moving? Or when might you consider moving? So I had a couple different questions. Mm-hmm. By learning the script, recording the script, rehearsing the script every day, calling 100 people, in the first six months I made $30,000 commission, which was my end. He made $30,000 also because I was on a 50-50 uh-huh. split. Now, the reason I share this story was because I learned the system. I learned the process. I learned the script. I learned the objections. Following 12 months, I made $151,000 because he taught me a different script. And if you take $150,000 from 80 till now... Imagine me seven eight hundred thousand today. Twenty years old, driving a silver Cadillac sedan DeVille. Mm-hmm. That was my car. I had you know the new mobile phones with the briefcase. But the other thing that happened is, do you remember the goals that he had me write out? Yeah. When I first first week in the office, one of the first next lessons to add to that was what would I need to believe in order to achieve these goals. And so I need to believe that it's possible. I need to believe that I'm smart enough. I need to believe that I'm worthy enough. I need to believe that I can get the skills. I and need to believe. You wrote them? I wrote these out, right? He asked me, what do I need to believe? And then I recorded all of my goals for everything I wrote down, plus other goals. I recorded the beliefs that I needed in a specific language pattern onto a cassette recorder and then every single day for about an hour, on the way to work, on the way home, and in between, I would listen to myself saying, I'm so happy and grateful for the fact that I am now earning $10,000 a month. I'm driving my car, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I believe this, I believe this, I believe this, I believe this. And all of it at the time was a fantasy. But I was whispering it back into my own brain back 40 some odd years ago. And so in essence, I was training my brain to believe this new vision. I was training my brain to buy into these goals. And of course, I had to have the strategies of what I needed to do. And that, he said, listen, you're going to call 100 people a day. You're going to say these things. You're going to get appointments. You're going to sell homes. We're going to make money. Yeah. And it worked. That was some of the fundamental stuff. 
So that was the beginning of me getting fascinated with like what's happening in my brain when I'm, you know, reading this stuff. Then he added, you know, visualization. He added some emotional regulation techniques. He added some what people are calling today mindfulness. Um, he taught me the beginning of my 40 plus year fascination now with the human brain and became successful, you know, with, with real estate. And then I traveled the world for um, about 15 months by myself when I was 22. September 1982 to November 1983, I traveled around the world. Stopped and doing real estate and just Stopped travel. doing real estate. I made some money. I had $72,000 in the bank saved up. Uh, and I said, I want to go see the world. Yeah. And I met the most beautiful people. Uh, my background back in Montreal was the hood, hoodlums, mm -hmm. you know. And all of a sudden, I'm traveling the world, and people are beautiful and kind and loving and giving, which shifted my paradigm on the world. And then when I came back, I got right back into real estate, and I started off exactly where I was before and just started cranking out 250 350 a year in, in you know, 19, early 80s. Yeah. And um, the thing that, you know, that really stood out more than anything else is how I started to develop this identity of success. Because I didn't feel it before. Right. But I was, I was imprinting proper language patterns. I was imprinting, you know, proper ideas. I was imprinting proper behaviors, you know, of what is required to achieve success. So I learned a model of success around create the vision even though you don't know how to achieve it. Set some goals even though you don't know how to achieve it. Develop the beliefs required to achieve them. Then make sure you know the strategies and tactics, what to do, how to do it, when to do it, and do it every day. And that became my formula is, is tap into you know, the, the brain's superpower. And I now know, I didn't know this back then, but functionally, every human brain works the same. From a functionality, every human brain works the same. So the person who may be watching us right now or listening says, yeah, but I'm different. No, you're not. Mm -hmm. You've got a hundred billion dollar brain where you may differ is maybe you don't know how to use it as well. Yet. Yet. And so I just learned some techniques and tools and I was desperate mm -hmm. to find a way. You were and committed to finding. I was committed to finding a way. I was desperate, and then I became committed. And so now my students, you know, I've got, fortunately, hundreds of thousands of students all over the world. You know, before I even work with anybody, I ask them this question. I say, tell me what you want. Great. Are you committed to that, to that goal? And, and um, most people think they're committed, but they're not. And do you think that's because... I have a lot of theories on this, but I'm curious yours. Do you think they're, they say they're committed, but they're not because they don't realize what being committed requires? Yeah. Or is it because of something else? Yeah. Uh, often when I'm, when I'm you know, doing, whether it's you know, master classes or, or teaching an audience, you know, I ask people, what level of the game of life do you want to play? Whether it's a health game or wealth game or business game. Uh, you know, I have kindergarten at the bottom, grade school, high school, university, pro. And almost everybody says pro level. I want to play pro level, but very few people know what pro level preparation is. Very few people know what pro level commitment is. They want the result, but they, they have this um, gap between what they want and what does it really take to achieve it. Mm -hmm. So they say, I'm committed, 
but they don't know what to back up the commitment with. And when they see that it comes with an enormous amount you know, of tenacity and resolve uh, and learning and growing and testing and tweaking and failing and failing and failing and succeeding, most people will give up. And it's not because they can't, mm -hmm. is they haven't had the right framework and expectations and a path to follow that makes it easier for them. Yeah. And I was taught very, very early, vision, goals, beliefs, strategies, tactics, timelines, tools, resources. I learned that 40 some odd years ago. And so everything I do now follows that. is follow that. And, um, and then in 1982, uh, uh, 1983, when I came back, I started working really hard because I had zero money left and actually borrowed $17,000 from my sister to finish my world tour. So I owed her money, and I hate <laughs> owing anybody money. Uh, I ended up with severe ulcerative colitis. So ulcerative colitis is ulcers in your colon. Mm -hmm. And um, at 23 years young, I was in the hospital every single month for a, what's known as a sigmoidoscopy. I was taking 25 pills a day to try and control it. Um, I didn't have any bowel control, yeah. so I would shit in the car, shit after making love, or I'd have to run to the bathroom, maybe not make it to the bathroom. Um, and um, I found out that ulcerative colitis could be a genetic predisposition. Uh, it could be caused by stress. There are a couple of reasons what it could be caused by. Uh, I went to the doctors and the doctors treated my symptoms. Yep. And then I started researching what's causing this thing. And so It's I, a slippery slope when you do that. Yeah, yeah. And back then, it's probably even harder to research than it would be today. Yeah, yeah we didn't have the... Um, we didn't have the, the knowledge base today, um, but I, I discovered something called psychoneuroimmunology, and all that means is the mind-body connection. Yeah. So I um, actually cut out what a healthy colon would look like. The psychosomatic side. Yeah, I cut out what a healthy colon would look like, what the disease colon looked like, which was mine. I created an affirmation. My body and all its organs were created by the infinite intelligence in my subconscious mind. It created all my muscles, tissues, bones, and organs. It knows how to heal me. I am perfectly healthy now. I give thanks for the creative intelligence that is within me right now. I am perfectly healthy now. I would read it, listen to it, visualize it, and yes, I started to eat better. Yes, I started to exercise. And yes, five weeks later, I told my doctor, I am ulcerative colitis free. And that was literally 39 years ago. And the doctor said, what are you doing? And I told him, and he didn't believe that it would work. But I now realized again that how I talked to myself, because when I was sick, I was talking to myself, oh my God, I'm so sick. Oh my God, Michael. Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. I was the victim of the mm -hmm. dis-ease. Yep. And as soon as I created a new image, a new story, new beliefs, new behaviors, all the symptoms went away. Mm -hmm. So I started to really get fascinated with the power of self-talk, the power of emotional regulation, uh, the power of actions, of course, as well, but the power of where, where, where's my focus? Yeah. Like, is my focus on how I will or why I can't or why I'm not? So I became a voracious student of the brain and the mind and, and, and you know, the brain's software. But in the early 80s, this is a, I don't, I mean, more taboo topic than today because, and we didn't have internet, so. Right. The only, in the 70s, um, in, the, in the 60s and 70s, 
Dennis Waitley, um, you know, wrote a, a, a great book, The Psychology of Winning. What a lot of people don't know about Dennis Waitley, who's a dear friend now, he's 90 now, is he worked with Neil Armstrong to prepare Neil Armstrong's neural patterns for being on the moon. Professional athletes, you know, have used visualization, for example, or self-talk, you know, for many, many years. And you'll see athletes, you know, at the Olympic level before they're, you know, going down the bobsled or before they're doing whatever it is that they're doing, you know, they're, they're mentally rehearsing, right? Visualization is a simulation. We know today that whatever it is that I speak, whatever language pattern I use, electrical activity is happening in my brain, but also the neurochemicals associated with every word, every mm -hmm. sentence gets released into my bloodstream. So that's just self-talk. Well, what if I visualize? We know that the exact same neurons in the brain fire if I'm visualizing a basketball shot or a golf shot or making 10 grand a month as if it's actually happening. So is it possible to mentally rehearse the success that I want in advance of achieving it and thereby training my neurons or motor cortex and any of the other circuits that activate? Can I train in advance for the outcome I haven't yet achieved? Yeah. And the answer is yes, yes, and yes. Yes. And so I've been fascinated with how can I, like, you know, uh, we exercise. You know, why do you go to the gym and do, you know, three sets or four sets and, uh, of, of biceps or triceps or quads or, or you do your cardiovascular sprints and long and short runs? Well, you're training your muscles and your organs and your tissues and your ligaments. What I realized I was doing is I was innersizing my visual cortex. I was innersizing my motor cortex. I was innersizing my motivational circuit. I was innersizing different aspects of my brain. I didn't know it then, but where inner size came from is I was doing for the mind what athletes and yeah. you know, people who maybe just walk or hike or bike do for their bodies. And so I realized that there must be different ways that I can strengthen what I call now are my core neuromuscles, right? So core neuromuscle number one is self-image, yeah. right? Core neuromuscle awareness. What about my beliefs? What about my habits? And when you do a little bit of research on the brain, we're not born with a self-image. Right. We're not born with any beliefs. We're not born with any fears. We're not born with self-esteem, self self-worth. We're not born with skills. So what is the process by which the brain develops and reinforces these patterns? Yeah. And so I have happily spent many, many, many decades researching what are the easy and maybe even complex ways to activate and create constructive, empowering, positive patterns and make them habitual so that they operate themselves. Uh, and that's called automaticity in the brain. And you know, if I, if I say to everybody who's watching or listening right now, we're all creatures of, everybody who's been around says habit. Well, we have thought habits. Sure. We have emotional habits. We have behavioral habits and we get habituated to the results we get. We repeat those patterns over and over and over again without thought. Hey, fitness fans, ready to crush your fitness goals? Make your move to EOS Fitness, where becoming a member starts at just $9.99 a month. Gyms are open 24-7 and packed with the latest gym equipment to keep your workouts fresh. 
What are you waiting for? Give them a call, drop by, or hit up jefffenster.com forward slash EOS to join. EOS Fitness, better gym, better price. Now, let's get after those goals. As an entrepreneur, I know how meaningful it is to invest in the people and causes that are close to me. And on GoFundMe, it's easy, safe, and powerful to do just that. Whether you're supporting a family member, friend, local business, or charity. And whenever you make a donation, you're protected by the GoFundMe giving guarantee. Visit GoFundMe.com today to help make a positive difference in your community. Is that why traditionally people who learn how to win win more often and the people who tend to lose lose more often? Yeah, take a lottery winner. Um, 87% lose the money within three years and never make it back. Uh, take a million. They didn't have the habits that they were required have to the, earn it. They don't have the knowledge, the skills, the beliefs, mm -hmm. the habits. They don't have any of the infrastructure of how to create it. Um, take somebody who's made a million or two or three or four. Take it all away from them. They'll make it again. They'll make it back. It's, um, you know, I often say if you took all the wealth in the world, put it in airplanes and threw it out of the airplanes all over the world. All of a sudden, nobody on earth had money uh, or any kind of wealth and take all the wealth, stick in planes, have them travel around the world, let it drop down. Within three years, all the people who had the money before would have it again. And I, I agree. Yeah, so you know, earning money is a skill. Mm -hmm. Building a business is a skill. Having a, a positive mindset is a skill. Emotional regulation is a skill. Mm -hmm. And we are not taught some of these skills in school. Before we jump to that, you mentioned, when I listened to your affirmation that you told yourself to get rid of mm -hmm. your ulcer ulcerative colitis, my question is, why so many words in the affirmation? Why not something much simpler? What was the impetus that you've learned through programming or reprogramming yeah. the brain to have it be that long? Um, back then, you know, I just found an affirmation. I modified it, and I just, I just, you know, wrote on a piece of paper and then recorded it. And the reason I still can recite it now is because I've listened to it probably sure. a thousand, two thousand, three thousand, five thousand times. Would it have worked though if it was just "I am healthy"? Uh, yeah, um, I, I wanted to give my brain even more facts that I believed. Because uh, at the same time, I started to study uh, universal laws and spirituality, mm -hmm. right? And so there was, you know, the, you know, the body. There's the brain, which the brain's, you know, an organ. I prefer to call it an organism, um, but it is an organ defined by the medical um, context. Um, but I wanted to, um, there, there is something other than my brain. There's an observer of thoughts. And that I call the infinite intelligence that's within me and in everybody and everything. Um, and so it was just more it created all of me. It knows how to heal me. Mm -hmm. Right? So wonderful is the creative intelligence within me. I am now perfectly healthy. So I, I, I just wanted it to be deeper for me. Yeah. And I still give it to people today who, who ask for it, you know, in, in some of my studies. It's, it's what we say is so powerful. You know, we, people don't realize that when I have a positive, empowering, constructive, build-me-up language pattern, I'm releasing the neurochemicals associated with that. When I talk negatively to myself, or I play the victim card, I am releasing and reinforcing the neural, the chemicals of that and reinforcing those patterns. 
And so I just wanted to just use as many words as I could, you know, to create as much of the neural pattern and network as I could. Yeah. And what I also know is, you know, we have about 6,200 thoughts a day, the average human. 80% of most people's thoughts are negative and 95% are repetitive negative thoughts. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. And there's, there's a part of our brain that's always looking to protect us with what could happen yeah. that would hurt us. And, um, and so we develop these disempowering negative perspectives, not because they're true, it's because they're possible. Sure. And our brain is projecting what could harm us physically, emotionally, mentally, financially, but it's releasing the neurochemicals of a potential negative consequence in the present moment. Which increases the likelihood of it happening. Well, it increases that we are going to expect it to happen. Wow. Right? But someone even as trained as you are must still have negative thoughts. Of course, but I know what to do with them. And what would that be? Well, I, uh, I have a, a visual on, on thoughts. Imagine that you're looking at an aquarium. At the bottom of the aquarium, there's bubbles that percolate up. And imagine there's blue bubbles and red bubbles. And you're just observing them. And you want to train your brain to be aware of the red bubble, bubbles, but to focus on the blue ones. Red, negative, disempowering, destructive. Blue, positive, constructive, empowering. So I'm not my thoughts. I'm not my emotions. I have thoughts. I have emotions. I can observe them, be aware of them, and I could be aware of what my friend Dr. Daniel Amen says. We all have automatic negative thoughts. We also have automatic negative emotions, and that's because they're triggered in our subconscious mind. Well, if I'm aware of an automatic negative thought or an automatic oh. negative emotion, whose choice is it to accept it or to replace it? Yours? Mine. Most people have never practiced just being aware without judgment, blame, shame, guilt, or justification. Just observe a thought. If you give it, if you, if you have a negative thought and you feel what you're thinking and you think what you feel, you just keep recreating that pattern and you give it energy. And so why not just be aware, oh, I just had a negative thought, let it go. Oh, I just had another negative thought, let it go. Let me replace it with a positive thought that's the polar opposite of that. So like for an example for myself in the audience. Yeah, so let's say, um, uh, so we can go on negative thought like, I'm not smart enough to do this. Oh, wow. Uh, do I want to entertain that or not? Or do I say, I'm more than smart enough to achieve the goal at hand. I could figure it out. I could Google it. I can chat GPT it. I can find out how to do this. Uh, you're not worthy enough. Oh, wow, that's interesting. I'm not worthy enough. I say, well, I'm more than worthy enough. I can counter it. Mm -hmm. uh, Dr. Barbara Fredrickson came up with a, a really, really good rule. And she studied you know, thought patterns and automatic negative thoughts. And she said, for every automatic negative thought, replace it with three positive ones. So you, you create a three to one negativity to positivity or positivity to negativity ratio. Now, if you think about where are thoughts coming from? Well, they're percolating from your subconscious mind just like these effervescent bubbles. And if we were raised in an environment that was negative, our parents, our teachers, our school, our brother, our sister, our friends, you know, talking negative, uh, you know, what we, what we read, we are all wired to avoid any pain or discomfort. And so we are looking all the time in our world 
for anything that can cause us pain or discomfort. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter if it's real or imagined. Our brain makes a mental notation of that and locks it away in our memory bank for retrieval later on. So at any time that we want to try something new, I want to raise money. I want to, you know, make more sales. I want to grow my company. I want to, whatever the case is. If there's any real or imagined danger or discomfort, automatic negative thoughts come up. You shouldn't do that because. You can't do that because. It's not possible because. And our brain just percolates up these ideas from our subconscious mind. We weren't born with them. Yeah. And so one of the greatest gifts is the gift of mindfulness or awareness. And whenever we have you know, these negative thoughts or emotions, first and foremost, you can switch an emotion in 60 seconds. It's easier said than done. No, it's not. No? No, it's not. Can you act mad right now if you wanted to? I could try. Act mad. Like, no, how would you Damn say Damn it, John. I don't believe now what imagine, you're saying right now. Imagine you just heard the funniest joke you've ever heard. <laughs> you would laugh. Of course. Imagine that you just found out your dog got hit by a bus. Oh, oh my God. Yes. So think about what is emotions, the energy in motion. What do Hollywood actors do? They can switch on a, on, a, mm -hmm. on, a, on a dime. But that's a skill to do that. Oh, so you mean I would have to learn how to yes. manage and then master my emotions. Oh, okay, so it's a skill so that I don't. So I'm more than worthy of learning the skills to master and my I, emotions. And I can if I am committed to it. So there is mindset skills I can learn yep. for awareness, for focus, Right, for self-talk. Mm -hmm. There are emotional regulation skills I can, I can, like if I'm feeling something, that means that I'm consciously aware of the vibration my body is in, right? 100 trillion cells are oscillating at a certain vibrational frequency. And okay, well, how did that, like how did I feel this? Why do I feel this way? Uh, well, maybe I had a negative or disempowering thought. Maybe I saw something, something triggered it, released the neurochemical. Now I am consciously aware that I'm sad or happy or I feel guilty or ashamed or, or, or I feel afraid. I, I can be aware of that. And what if in that awareness I can say, is this the feeling that I want to have right now? No. No, uh, no. How do you want to feel? Well, I really prefer to feel focused and, 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 and I really want to feel happy. Great. You want to feel happy? Look up. Everybody who's watching, right? look up and smile and try to feel shitty. Just try to feel shitty. Try to feel sad. You can't. You can't feel sad looking up and smiling. You can't feel shitty looking up and smiling because the neurochemicals of our smile that we're used to releases the, uh, the, 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 the neurochemicals of happiness. Right? Uh, look up and smile and say, yeah, I achieved my goal and try to feel shitty. You, yeah, you can't. I achieved my goal. Yeah, you can't, you can't have competing emotions or feelings. So what I've discovered is that we can first learn to manage okay, the inner workings of our mind, my focus, my awareness, my, my thoughts. Uh, what I'm, thoughts are different from thinking. Because yeah. right? we have 6,200 random thoughts. But, oh, wow, I'm thinking in a disempowering way or a negative way right now. I wonder what's caused that. What's happening in my environment that just caused me to think that? Now, I could do some inquisitive thinking and, and find what the 
um, impetus was that caused the brain to trigger and release the neurochemicals and the feeling. Now, what happens with most people is the frames by which they see things are disempowering frames, and they're carrying that frame with them everywhere they go. And when you learn just a little bit of mindfulness, you're able to take that frame off and see yourself in the world in a totally different way. But it takes practice, mm -hmm. right? It takes practice. We go back to most people say they're committed, but they're not. Uh, well, think about athletes, right? What are athletes notoriously known for? They practice. Yep. They practice the fundamentals. They practice the drills. They become unconsciously competent, which is subconscious competence, right? Where there's no thought taking the action. That's who they've become. And the same thing happens for entrepreneurs. Now, if you're starting out as an entrepreneur, if you've got the right coaches, the right mentors that teach you the right frames and the right meanings to give things and the right way to fail, like... There's the right way to fall, right? If you practice judo or martial arts, you learn how to fall properly, right? But if you're just, you know, some random guy or gal that gets into a fight and you fall, um, you may hurt, hurt yourself. yourself. Yeah. So if there's a right way to fall, is there a right way to fail? Yes. Mm -hmm. So you can fail forward and you can fail in ways where the lesson from the failure means something positive instead of you being a failure. Mm -hmm. Like one of the ways I learned not to worry about what people said about me when I was calling on the phone, they were like, what the F are you calling me for? Hang up. Is I learned how to frame it in a way that, great, call the next person. Because yeah. tomorrow that person may need you again, so call them back. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, no today. That's right. It's no this moment. It's no today. Yeah. So when we get back into, you know, you and I, before you know, we came and sat here, talked about every goal, every business goal that everybody who's watching right now, you, know, you want to grow your business, you want to raise money, you want to make more sales, you want to be better at marketing, you want to be better at hiring, managing, investing, whatever it is, all the how-to already exists. Yeah. All the how-to already exists. So what's holding you back? What really holds people back? Something in here. Something in here. And there's, there's only four things that it boils down to. All right, I'm ready. Yeah. I so, wanted these four so, and I had to wait. So okay, now I need yeah. them. So let's say that I have a, a vision and a goal for my, for my business, my company, my career. Okay. And let's say I don't have the knowledge or the skills. Now, when our brain knows that we don't have the knowledge or skills, we have self-doubt. When we have self-doubt, we automatically move into a protective, um, uh, protective um, uh, posture. Okay, uh, when we have doubt, uh, then there's a chance that we will fail. When we have doubt, there's a chance we will lose. When we have uncertainty, right? I don't have confidence. Yeah. Right. So, what does the human brain do when I have uncertainty? I'm lacking confidence, and I have doubt. Freezes? It moves into protective mode. Right. Why? Because that's the automatic reaction in a state of doubt, fear, anxiety, worry, yeah. etc. So if our brain automatically activates the fight, flight, or freeze reaction circuit in the brain, that's the sympathetic nervous system, and releases the neurochemicals for that behavior, we're not activating the motive for action 
circuit, the motivational circuit. We are deactivating, okay, unless we've got to run the motor cortex. But if we are fleers, we do run. Mm -hmm. So people freeze, people fight, uh, or people run. Yeah. Right? So in the absence of the knowledge and skills, I will move to protecting myself and I will keep doing what I was doing before because I'm safe there. So knowledge and skill is paramount. What do I need to do? How should I do it? When do I need to do it by? Is paramount for the brain circuits to activate the go circuit. But let's say I have beliefs that are limiting me, otherwise known as limiting beliefs. I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not skilled enough. Um, I don't know how to do it. I'm too white, too black, too Asian, too Caucasian. Too I live old, here, too young. too young, too anything that's a limiting belief is an instruction to the brain, okay, of what to do, mm-hmm. right? Because it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. So if I have a belief that's limiting me, it limits my behavior. But more importantly, beliefs are to the brain what um, um, uh, microscopes and telescopes are to seeing deeper into nature or, or, or out into the cosmos. It, it's a magnifier. So we will only see that which we believe. Which is best evidence. A limitation. Like the four-minute mile. That's right. So the question is if we only see what we believe, how can I teach my brain to believe something that I don't believe right now? Mm-hmm. Well, how did you learn to believe what you believe right now? Oh, what, parents, teachers, environment, brothers, sisters, books, uh, television like how did you learn how did you develop this belief that age has anything to do with it or color has anything to do with it, or environment has anything to do with it where, where did you get that and then what would you need to believe in order for you to take action so limiting beliefs hold us back and we can create new neural patterns no no different than you can you know renovate a home you can uh, add you know uh, high, highway lanes you know on a on a highway system and you can connect different highway systems and street systems, uh, well, we can create new roads in Mm -hmm. our brain. And remove those limiting beliefs. And remove the limiting beliefs. We deactivate those. Um, Then we have self-image. So when we have a vision and goals that we either knowingly or unknowingly don't feel we deserve um, or are worthy of achieving, um, we will never outperform our hidden self-image our hidden self-image, yeah. not, not the mask that we wear to protect ourselves. I'm talking about the no mask person. The one we, the one we, are, we are with. The one that you might tell your best friend yeah. or your partner, oh, I really don't feel worthy enough. I don't feel I deserve that level of success. And part of this is like, where did you get that? Do you know, do you know what you are? Do you know that you've got a hundred billion dollar brain, you've got a trillion dollar body that we can't figure out, okay, with all of our tools and techniques and trillions of, uh, quintillions of dollars, we cannot produce another human yet? So your self-image frame is, you know, in jeopardy mm-hmm. of keeping you stuck. And then we have fear. So now we're getting into, you know, uh, not this, And now we're getting into the domain of emotions. So when we think about what is the priority of the brain, number one, survival and safety. But the second 
highest priority of the human brain is avoidance of pain or discomfort, whether it's real or imagined. So now I have this vision, I have this goals, and I have my life. And now I want to um, achieve a goal I haven't achieved yet. There's a part of our brain that's always doing a risk assessment. It, is it possible that you're going to lose money? Is it possible you're going to be you're going to fail. Is it possible you're going to succeed and then fail? Is it possible you're going to be embarrassed, ashamed, ridiculed, judged, rejected, unloved? Uh, is it possible you're going to disappoint yourself or your spouse or your kids or anybody else? Is it possible? And if the answer is yes, the fear circuit lights up like a Christmas tree, rushes those neurochemicals of either fight, flight, or freeze. Mm -hmm. So the question I want to ask everybody is fear the problem or is your lack of awareness and skill of what to do when that fear circuit activates the real problem. Well, it's definitely the latter. So it's the latter. And the way that I like people to think about, imagine you're driving one of your new cars now in 2024, 2025, and a light pops up on the dash. Have you ever considered taking a hammer and hitting that light? No. No, you actually love that light because, oh shit, I'm running out of gas. Oh, the back right tire is a little low on air. Mm -hmm. uh oh. Trunk is open, I better stop the car. So you love that signal. Well, that signal is part of the greatest gift you and I have. It's the most refined system in the human brain. And it's called the amygdala, the emotional response center. And this person, this, this system in your brain is like an early warning detection mechanism that alerts you of something might go wrong. Now. I love when that part of me lights up, right? Because that gives me a chance to look at, well, do I have the right system? Mm -hmm. Do I have the right process? Do I have the right skill? Do I have the right knowledge? Have I taken into consideration all of these things that could go wrong? Yes, 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 great. Now I override the fear system and I use higher cortical functions. Okay, I call them the Stein brothers. One is Einstein, which is the genius CEO, executive director of the brain. The other one's Frankenstein's monster. So when we have the fear circuit activated, Frankie's monster is playing the game right now. I want to quiet Frankie down. I want Einstein to imagine and do deductive reasoning for me. Mm -hmm. Now, that's left prefrontal cortex and right prefrontal cortex as it so happens to be. So all of the different pieces of the brain is like learning how to be a conductor of an orchestra. And you've got the motivational circuit. You've got the, the, um, the motor cortex. You've got the Einstein. You've got the Frankie's. You've got all these little parts of your brain that if you can activate the right ones, it's go, 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 go. All systems go. You're achieving your goals. Mm -hmm. But if you don't know how to override the negative self-talk, the disempowering emotions, the focus, the awareness, if you don't know how to do that, then you're a victim of ignorance. And then Frankie's running it. Frankie runs your life. So a victim of ignorance doesn't mean you're stupid. A victim of ignorance just means I don't know. Mm -hmm. Well, that's why I've played the game. You know, that's why I do what I do. And it's, that's where you were in 1980 before you met yeah. your mentor. Oh, my God, yeah. Yeah, fear was running my life. Uncertainty, yeah. uh, worry, uh, low self-image, low self-worth, limiting beliefs beyond measure. Um, just, you know, I was taught if I didn't go to college... I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to, to do well out there in the world. Mm -hmm. um, if I didn't do well in school, I wouldn't do well in the world. And I had enough evidence that, well, I don't do well in school. Yeah. 
And so you, be- so you became, I believe that. You be- and then came to believe that. Through, you know, like I said, you know, through using the right type of visualizations and mindfulness and affirmations and in first person and third person and looking at what are all the different techniques and tools that are evidence-based can I rewire my brain for unstoppable success? Yeah. And the answer is unequivocally yes. Unequivocally yes. So before we jump into inner size, I want to ask you, because the, the secret became a global f- phenomenon. Yeah. And I think it was, and I might, this might not be true, but in my lifetime, you know, I was born in 83, it was the first time that the idea of the law of attraction, the ability to utilize what you believe and turn it into the physical reality. Yeah became mainstream in some capacity, at least to the, maybe there were tons of uh, books and authors were. beforehand, but this was the first time it became mainstream because it was a book and a movie. Correct. We had incredible people in the movie like yeah, yourself. Thank you. Um, and it was articulated in a way that I think was easy to digest yeah. for the common man and woman. Yeah. Yeah, there's, um, if you go to the Bible, the Bhagavad Gita, the Quran, the Torah, that's where the beginnings of you know these teachings came about, and then you had you know William James, and you had all of the old philosophers and, and uh, Earl Nightingale mm-hmm. that really popularized personal development. But there also was a movement around you know everything is made up of energy, and that's scientifically proven. So we know that to be true. And you know, if we go back to, let's say, Tesla, Tesla says, if you want to understand the universe, you have to understand energy. If you talk about energy, you have to understand frequency and vibration and resonance. Mm-hmm. And so the old way that the secret you know, came out of, the old laws were you know, uh, based on Napoleon's hills, you, know, you become what you think about most. That was the, the riches in Think and Grow Rich. That was like the, I did, a, I did the 50th year anniversary keynote for Think and Grow Rich. The neuroscience of Think and Grow Rich mm-hmm. was the keynote that I did. But if we really understand, you know, energy, then you have to understand, let's say music, okay? If you have um, two really great musicians in a room and they're not in harmony, it sounds like shit. Yeah. They could be the world's best musicians, but if they're not in harmony in concert, then it sounds like shit. People used to believe that the law of attraction worked like a magnet. But we know that if you take a positive magnet and a positive magnet, it repels. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> so it, it, it doesn't work that way. But does the law of resonance work? Does the law of coherence work? When you play a guitar and a piano, okay, in the right frequency, mm-hmm. then the, the waves harmonize. It sounds great. It sounds great. We know in the field of intelligence, which we're all in, we live in this, we're not, there isn't like a quantum field that's out there, you know, and there's an in here. Mm-hmm. It's like saying what well, the fish is out of the water, but it's in the H2O. It's like, no, the fish is in the water. The water is in the fish. Mm-hmm. I am in the field. The field is in me. So the question becomes, you know, can I get in resonance with that which I want to create. Like this thing, manifestation, got this stupid rap of manifest is kind of like it comes out of thin air, right. you know, and then all of a sudden this glass or, or cup materializes and, you know, I think of a million dollars and a million dollars shows up on my, on my desk. Um, I've often said that, you know, if you want to explain the law of attraction, explain resonance and harmony mm-hmm. and frequency. 
And we know, for example, if uh, let's say you're in the water and there's a five foot wave that's coming this way and there's another five foot wave that intersects at the right place, it moves to 10 foot wave, right? Yeah. Five foot wave, five foot wave. Actually, you know, the energy becomes a 10 foot wave because water is energy. Yeah. So the question then becomes, am I in resonance with that which I seek to manifest or create? So are my thoughts in resonance? Are my emotions, the energy in motion called my body, 100 trillion cells, are they vibrating at the frequency of fear, doubt, anxiety, worry, stress, or are they vibrating at the level of confidence, certainty, courage? Mm -hmm. Like wh which one, right? Um, are my thoughts, emotions, and then am I taking the right action in the right order at the right time on this beautiful blue planet for the thing that I want. And when you say, okay, can I get my thoughts, emotions, and behaviors aligned? It's like saying, well, can I get the combination to the safe? Yes. Can I learn what order to put the numbers in? Yes. Can I go and do it? Yes. And unless I do those three things, it doesn't matter how much I pray mm -hmm. and visualize and meditate that the safe will open on its own. It won't open on its own. Yeah. So there is this action part, and that's actually the last six letters of the word attraction, is action. You're right. I never heard that, but you're right. But most people fail to understand that we need to create a resonance field. Now, why? Because we have um, the belief that um, there's something called entanglement, which means everything is, is connected. And is it possible, and here's, here's you know, an, maybe an advanced thought for people to think about, is it possible that when my mind, when I am you know, in resonance with the vision I want to create, the goal I want to achieve, is it possible that that thought and that emotional state creates a ripple in the field? Is it possible that when you and I walk into a room and not a word has been said, there's another part of us that can feel something's off? Yeah. Oh, how, how, do, how, can, we, how can we feel that? Well, it's something other than, mm -hmm. okay, our physical sense of hear, see, smell, taste, and touch. That's called intuition, and we are feeling the vibration, not just in the room we're in. People that are watching us right now, they're feeling your and my energy through my tonality, your tonality, through the gestures. They're feeling whether this makes sense or doesn't, whether this is baloney or something to look into. They're feeling yeah. something right now. So if I can be in resonance, in harmony, Okay, with the vision that I don't yet know how to achieve, with the goals that I'm just learning the skills to achieve, and I show up every day and take action, I will, okay, by the very nature of how a radio station works and you tune into a station, it deletes or distorts all the other stations, you just lock and load on one station. I believe that that's the law of attraction. It's the law of resonance. I love that term. I've never heard that till today. Yeah, so I want to be in resonance as much as possible with my thoughts, emotions, feelings, sensations, and yes, the behaviors. Mm -hmm. And if it's true that everything that you and I want to achieve is achievable, which I believe it is, yeah. then why not me? Why not you? Why not you? Now. Now. And it's the, uh, the last bit is that action part. Is, a, is the action. So move, move towards that which you desire. Yep. 
And that is where the commitment comes from, is you've got to keep showing up. You've got to keep playing full out because, you know, you want to, you want to get this molecular structure, right? This, mm. this atomic structure to vibrate and oscillate at the level of not your current life, of the health, wealth, relationships, career, business, finance that you want. Because the frequency that you're oscillating at right now, just look at your results. That's the effect. Yeah. That is what you're getting. That's the effect. You don't, you don't like the way you look? Well, you better change you know, what you eat. You better change your beliefs. You better change your habits. We live in a world of effects. So a lot of people are trying to create a vision and goals, the effects that they don't have right now, but they're not at cause mm -hmm. of those new effects. Makes total sense. Key is to get the resonance uh, together. And was that the main reason you published your fourth book, Inner Size, to help people learn yeah. the exercises internally, hence the inner size? The inner size, To yeah. start producing those actions, yeah. which will put them in resonance? That's exactly right. And anything that we repeat, practice makes permanent patterns. Mm -hmm. And based on the new science of neuroplasticity, it's about 20 years 20 years in the making, we know that our brain is capable of creating new connections. We know that our brain's capable of actually creating new cells, neurogenesis. So here's the question. If my beliefs are nothing more than reinforced patterns, my habits are nothing more than reinforced patterns, my self-image is nothing more than reinforced patterns, the question that I ask myself is, did I create new patterns and reinforce those, and those then drove the behaviors that I took to achieve a little bit of success in my life? And the answer was, absolutely. And that's what I call deliberate conscious evolution. You mm -hmm. deliberately and consciously evolve yourself. And now that we have a few more of the user's manual for the brain, right? Why not do it for yourself? If I can create a new pattern and through spaced repetition, whether it's language pattern repetition, emotional regulation repetition, you know, visualization, mindfulness, a variety of different techniques, I can reinforce those patterns and then I can make those patterns automatic and they're positive, constructive, and empower me to do what I need to do? Like, run towards that. Like, let's do it now. Yes, immediately. Like, now. And, and that, is, that is what it really takes. So with inner size, because I'm now reading it and I can't wait to implement it, but you also have an app. I did. Um, I created this inner size app to facilitate people to just, just get the app, start to inner size. And I've written all of the inner sizes, you know, for anybody to apply, whether it's for sales, leadership, management, wealth, health. Um, I wrote over 500 inner sizes just for the release of the app, and we're adding hundreds all the time. Mm -hmm. My goal is to have thousands of inner sizes for people to upgrade their, their confidence levels, their certainty levels, their self-esteem, their self-worth, their beliefs, their, the things that they need in order to shatter limitations and get rid of any mental or emotional obstacle that is now holding you back. And so instead of telling people what to do, which I've done for many, many years, uh, or creating some custom ones for you know private clients of mine that pay me twenty five thousand dollars for one custom inner size. Um, I created you know five hundred of them for the masses mm -hmm. to use, 
And um, and so, so far, you know, the, the ratings are, I think, 4.9 stars in the App Store with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of five-star ratings. And um, I'm just telling people, get the app, read mm. the book, get the app, uh, and then just train your own brain, like, while you're walking, while you're doing other stuff. But what is the protocol? Because I think for a lot of people sure. listening, they're like, okay, I download the app. There's 500 of them. Do yeah. I listen to all 500? Do I listen to one yeah, 5 million straight yeah. times? The, the app will guide you. So there's some people who say, I want to work on my health. Yep. So we have health tracks. Um, we have wealth tracks. We have tracks for people who want to get better at sales, people who want to get better at leadership, people who want to get better at management. And um, follow the tracks. Mm-hmm. So we, we, we laid it out in, in tracks. We've got, you know, foundational inner size we want everybody to, uh, to, to learn. So I'll give you a simple one, a, a simple one. And I hear people tell me, oh, my God, I use take six, calm the circuits every day. So one of the foundational inner sizes that we teach people is um, around taking six slow, deep breaths in through your nose. And then slowly out through your mouth like you're breathing out through a straw. Slowly as you can. A lot of people, we, we rush a lot of stuff. We want to actually slow this down as much as we can. And I talked earlier about uh, the fact that we have you know, our nervous system, of course, right? We have this uh, part of our nervous system called the sympathetic nervous system. That's the fight, flight, freeze you know, nervous system when we need it, you know, those signals travel down the, yeah. you know, down our, 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 our spine and into all the, all the appropriate organs. And uh, we also know the neurochemicals that, that are activated, you know, in a stressful situation um, is cortisol, epinephrine, norepinephrine, adrenaline, whatever you, you know, um, you're in need of at the time. But we also know that uh, that's Frankie's monster that's activated, mm-hmm. right? And sometimes we need Frankie's monster because we need to jump off, you know, back onto the sidewalk because there's a car coming we didn't pay attention, you know, or there's a lot of risk at play. And if, you know, if we don't, you know, do what we need to do, we might hurt ourselves. But most of the time we want Einstein to run the show and the parasympathetic nervous system and six deep breaths. We can actually see blood flow moving from Frankenstein's monster part of the brain and shifting over to Einstein part of the brain, which is the CEO, the executive director of your whole life and your brain. So you want to love Frankie, but you want to operate from Einstein. Einstein. You want to operate from that Stein. And so the way to do that is you deactivate Frankie on purpose. Frankie, thank you. I just need you to thank you, thank you. Okay, now I need you to quiet down. Six deep breaths, goes back to, to Einstein. And now we have the way for us to, to ask ourselves, um, is this really dangerous? Um, is this belief true? Is this habit constructive or destructive? Is the fact that I'm procrastinating or self-sabotage what I want? No, it's not. Great. Mm-hmm. What's your intention right now? Well, my intention is to take action on this goal I want to achieve. My intention is to make the calls. My intention is to raise the money. My intention is to hire this person, fire this. My intention is to do this. Great. Uh, what's one small action step you can take towards that? So now we reduce the cognitive load to small little action steps and intentions towards what we want. Now we teach ourselves, right, to go back to Einstein. Mm-hmm. Now we're operating from that left prefrontal cortex, uh, you know, in our brain. And all of a sudden, just that one inner size, if you're under stress, take six, calm the circuits. If you have doubt, fear, anxiety, worry, even panic, I've taken people from 
level 10 panic to three or four in 60 seconds to one or two in 60 more seconds. Why? Because you can't be in a panicked state with the sympathetic, with the parasympathetic nervous system firing. Mm -hmm. You can't. It's not physically possible. It's not physically possible. So the first thing I need to know is to be aware of what's going on within me, in my mind, you know, in my body, and then deliberately choose, you know, the tool that I need in order to be more in control. Mm -hmm. And so take six, calm the circuits is one of the first exercises we teach people to self-regulate, right? Uh, and then there's Aya, awareness of thoughts, emotions, feelings, sensations, behaviors, intention, and action. That's the second one. Uh, third one is called Actor's Studio. And Actor's Studio is practice playing with your emotions, right? Then we have beach time to calm yourself down, to get yourself at the beach, you know, to be able to self-regulate, down-regulate, okay, those things. So there's some foundational exercises everybody learns. And then they choose tracks for health, wealth, relationship, career, business, um, you know, money, sales, and all that stuff. And that's all laid out in, in, in the app. I've played with it a little bit after yeah. you gave us access. And I love the direction of it because I'm a, such a believer in formulas and understanding that you're, what you want is at the end of figuring out how to get there, right? Two plus two is four. So four is what I want. I have to figure out either three plus one, two plus two, five minus one, whatever I have to get to that four. And I feel like inner size, the, the mindset is what holds most people back. Yeah. From everyone I've talked to, yep. been around, and all of the successful human beings that I've had the yeah. privilege of talking with and getting to know over time, those who have figured out how to utilize this as a tool achieve this Absolutely. unbelievable amount of success. Yeah. And those who are yearning to acquire that success struggle here. Uh, mindset is what separates the um, extraordinary from the ordinary and um, what separates the best from the rest. And I'm going to go back to something we talked about earlier. And this is, this is something that is really important for people to get. Every brain functionally works the same. My brain, Hitler's brain, Genghis Khan's brain, Einstein's brain, you know, your brain, your brain, Functionally works the same. Now, of course, there's anomalies, right? There's diseases. But functionally, if my brain works the same and I could train my brain, mm -hmm. then you can train your brain. I can release disempowering negative patterns, and you can too. I can develop constructive empowering habits that lift me up and let go of the ones that pull me down. You can too. Now, the question is, well, how can I? And that's what inner size is all about. It mm -hmm. really gives the framework for that. And... Um, I used to teach something, you said two plus two equals four, and one plus one doesn't always equal two. Okay, teach me. Teach you? If I had one drop of water here, yep. and another drop of water there, and I combined them, what would happen? You'd have one big drop of water. I'd have one bigger drop of water. So it's a frame change, right? Sure. That's a frame change. I thought one plus one always equals two. No, not always. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. Right? So part of, part of, um, you know, part of the process is, is really cr learning how do I create frames, right? Like how I see myself and how I see the world in a way that allows me to achieve every one of my goals and dreams for health, wealth, relationships, career, business, charity, finance, fun and experiences. Mm -hmm. And if it's an inside job, which I believe it is, then everyone can do it and yeah. everyone can make progress and everyone can achieve more 
of their fullest potential, have more impact and more influence. And if it's true that stress, the stress circuit, right? People say, you know, I'm under a lot of stress. Well, what, what is stress? Like from a neurological perspective, what is stress? Yeah, it's a bunch of exterior forces working on you that you perceive to be Yeah, or internal big. forces, right? It's when the current or future demand that you're imagining exceeds your current capacity or your imagination of your future capacity to deal with it. But Very stress well is a circuit that turns on. Mm -hmm. So my question, you know, if we're going to, you know, think is like, what's triggering my stress circuit? There's nothing wrong with the darn circuit. Yeah. Right? Stress it's, isn't the problem. It's controlling it. What is the stress is the effect. Mm -hmm. Not having enough money is the effect. Not growing your business to the love you want is the effect. Not having the, the sales is the effect. Not it's the effect. And I am so fortunate. I learned the law of cause and effect 43 years ago. Don't focus on the effect. Yep. Control the cause. Control the cause, effect takes care of itself. That is so well said, John. And and I I want to keep going. Um, so you have to promise to come back on. I'll come back. Because for all of us listening, you know, we, we're trying to find the commonality between successful humans and how we can duplicate it. And not enough focus is focused on what we're oh. working on here. And this is something that we all can take action on today. today. Don't have to wait. No. You don't have to be in a, in a future position to download the app and start intersizing and build no. the mindset yeah. that is required. You, you build the mindset. I believe, personally, it's the little hinge that swings the big door. Yes. And in, in, in a world where I am literally, I mean, uh, yesterday I was on with a friend of mine who is one of the top options traders in the world. And I was actually showing him how to use some AI tools. And this guy makes millions a month. And I was showing him how he can have access to some of these tools. He was holding his hand on Zoom yesterday just going, oh my God, oh my God. And the reason I'm just saying that is all the how-to of what we need is like at our fingertips right now, faster than ever before. And so every single person that's watching, if they are serious and committed to whatever goal you want, health, wealth, relationships, career, business, money, all the how-to is a chat GPT prompt away mm -hmm. or another one of the tools away of all the how-to. So that should never be holding you back anymore. What you should be focusing on is getting yourself to actually do it. <laughs> that's where your focus needs to be. And that starts with exercise. Yeah, and our brain needs what, what to do, how to do it, when to do it, and we need a big why must I do it. And the why has to be Why bigger. must I do it now? And the why has to be bigger than your fears. The why has to be bigger than your self-image right now. Your, the why has to be bigger than your stories, reasons, and excuses of why you're not. So we have to have emotional leverage for why we're going to do it this time. Mm -hmm. and, um, and I'll suggest to everybody that... Um, your life is on the line, that's why. And I'm not mean physically on the line, but you're trading your life for what you do. Is the trade worthy of your life? And the life you want the life is you just want. on the other side of that action. Yeah, yeah. Everything, is, everything we want is just outside of our current comfort zone. But we don't know how 
to navigate there safely. Mm -hmm. And that's why most people stay stuck repeating their patterns for decades, decades in a lifetime. It's not that they can't. They've never been taught the process to yeah. do it. It's okay to feel uncomfortable, but you can minimize that by just learning how to intersize. Mm -hmm. So the feeling is perfect, but now it's time to upgrade and level up. So my ask, everyone watching and listening, when you hit stop, you go to the App Store, you download Intersize, because this is something you can do today yeah. to where tomorrow and the day after and the day after, the more you Intersize, the further you come until eventually you have the mindset required to match your goals, your dreams. Yeah, and we're, we're doing all the research on the neuroscience and the neuropsychology. So what we're bringing to people is evidence-based mm -hmm. methods. And because we're, we got the, you know, the world as our audience now, um, you know, we can do it at a, a very, very affordable price. I think it's like you know, nine, 10 bucks a month or $79 for a year yep. for 500 of the inner sizes. Soon to be thousands. Yeah, soon to be thousands. And I also recommend that you pick up this book because in this book, you're going to learn more about the why you intersize, how to intersize, yeah. and connect those dots. So if you really want to start changing your life, if you really want to take that immediate action and you're not sure how to overcome the fears, the anxieties, the doubts, the doubts, yeah, the worries, the worries, the uncertainties, the uncertainties, yeah. this is how. So this is that moment. You've, you've watched this. You've learned. Um, you probably already know John, but now you got to really hear more about how he changed his life from a troubled youth in Montreal, doing crime, doing drugs, not believing he was smart enough to building the empire he has, and you can too. So I want to thank you, thank you so much for coming and sharing this with the audience because, I mean, I barely had to ask you. I was just like listening. I get so, I get so excited about this because this is like, this is, uh, I'm in my early 60s now, and this is like my final legacy play, I think, is to, is to take the stuff that I know works. I've had 80-year-old grandmothers intersize mm -hmm. and make a quarter of a million dollars a year. I've had people that are uh, overweight by two, 300 pounds that lose the weight have kept it off. Mm -hmm. I've had people build billion-dollar companies because they've applied what I've taught them, or 100 millions or 10 millions. Um, relationships, it it's all starts with what's happening in there. Mm -hmm. And so it's your brain. It's like it's, it's your brain, and you don't have the user's manual for it. And so I get so excited that now we have the app to actually do it with people yep. uh, at a price that everybody can, uh, everybody can afford. So I, I am very passionate about, about creating this inner size revolution. Well, I love it. This is a Thank topic you, that, that I study, not to your extent, but I study you and all of the great work you and your team thank have been you. doing. And so I'm a student of InnerSize. I'm going to continue to InnerSize. And thank I want to thank you again so much thank for you. coming on. Thank you. Remember, download the app and make sure you get the book. I'd love to hear about your first experiences doing the six deep breaths and starting that track. And we can all start to InnerSize. Hey, everyone. First, I want to thank all of you for tuning in. And if you guys haven't heard about my new book, Relationship Bank Account, click the link in the show notes or search the title on Amazon. This book is packed with all my secrets to success in both relationships and life. Make sure to pick up a copy. And if the book helps you on your journey, let us know by leaving a review. I appreciate all of you and can't wait to see you on the next one.